0: We've done over probably 300,000 designs for advertising on the internet uh, within the all, not just the real estate space but every other, a lot of other spaces and we partnered with some big, pretty big brands where when they do a marketing campaign, like we've done this with Geico, those funny little commercials, we actually turn those into banner ads on the internet so they can run their ads. Um, we, don't, we don't run their ads for them, that'd be awesome, but we just do the graphics because that's all they needed from us. But the, the reality is I don't know how to make them. I don't know how to do the landing pages. I know how to offer them. And then I hire a team that's all, that works for me, that's been with me for like over 15 years now. So it makes the process so smooth. Um, so-
1: Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom All right, guys, today I have the man who has worked with over 40,000 agents, the man who worked for Realtor.com but became one of their biggest vendors, forcing Realtor.com to send every client that they signed up through him, making a revenue stream that would blow your minds. But particularly the gifting that Rahul has is the gifting of creating landing pages and marketing messages. So today we're going to dive into all kinds of topics, not limited to the topics about how should we be talking to our clients How do we get deals done? How do we negotiate? We're going to talk about agent profiles, personalities, and how we could use our personalities to become our greatest assets. Rahul, thank you for coming on the podcast. Get us started. Like, tell us, how did you get into this world? How did you get access to 40,000
0: agents? All by mistake. And I'm going to tell you why. So, I went to, I used to sell credit card processing. And before that, I didn't sell anything. So, I kind of was like a mouse. I hated talking, didn't know sales. And he, I would never make any calls. So I came from that like really introverted background. And now people who meet me now don't believe that story, but I couldn't even order my own McDonald's at 16 years old. Cause I was embarrassed to talk. Uh, so now I went in for an interview. I wanted to find a real job instead of being a, a credit card person that did contracted work. And I applied for a company called home store because realtor.com was called home stores their corporate umbrella at the time. I didn't even do any research. I thought it was a furniture company. And so I go in for the interview and then I land the job, went through a very strict series of five interviews at the end. They're like, you're hired. So it was kind of fun. then I found out we sold advertising to real estate agents. I'm like, oh, let's see what this is all about. So I started the job and then I got to fall in love with the process. Not necessarily the products just yet because I was still learning it, but I started to fall in love with the process of being able to sell to real estate agents advertising on the internet, which wasn't the easiest thing to do at that time. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes up to how much reach and power is out there just being digital. So I don't, people like traditionally, people would have to like cold call, door knock, networking meetings. This way you can reach people while you're sleeping and impact people's decision making habits just 24 by 7. And when you become a good advertiser, especially as a real estate agent or a broker or even an investor, you're in demand. Because what do people want when you're listing their home? The biggest reach, the best advertising, what's your social media look like? If you watch Million Dollar Listings, some of those questions when they're interviewing even the mighty Josh Altman, what's your social following like? Because that's how impactful it is because the buyers, the sellers, they know how important it is on these platforms because they're using it every single day. So when people say my buyers aren't on social media, I'll argue to say that's 100% wrong or on the internet, they don't buy homes on the internet. Of course they don't. They find the people that they think they can like and trust on the internet. And then they give those people an opportunity of a shot. Um, and that's why we, 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 love, we love doing this. Yep.
1: Yeah. And so let's tap into, I want to take us back a second. I want to take us back to you were, you were selling credit card processing, got out of that job and got into selling advertising. Didn't know much about advertising, didn't know much about real estate at that point what made selling real estate advertising so much more palatable? I mean, sales processes amongst industries can be relatively similar. So was it just, you were so much more excited about the product or was there an element of the way that things were sold that was more appealing?
0: Yeah, I think it was the element because credit card processing is traditional. It was a competitive space and it's a dime a dozen thing. When it came to working for realtor.com, it's the number one website in the world for real estate. Uh, Their partnership is with the National Association of Realtors. So I had the brand and the power behind me so I can open doors and ears by a phone call. Um, so that I had, uh, the clout behind me so I can have mature conversations. Um, number two was it was also like a transitional phase. Cause even today, a lot of realtors don't believe in the internet for some wild reason. But back then it was like brand new, like when the, like people were still figuring out that that little paper clip on an email was an attachment icon, you know? <laughs> so, so we had our, we had our work cut out for us on education, but it was fun. I love the fact that this was like a momentum shift that this, like you can literally find your buyer, find your seller on the internet by barely spending any money by just being present where they spend the most time. So that excited me the most because I knew that this was gonna be the future and billboards and those like school little banners at high schools that people feel so proud that their names are on that get them zero business. Now there's something that has tangible results that can expand their reach like literally while they're sleeping to their ideal target audience on a focused platform.
1: And so for you, it was really exciting to be able to educate the customer. And and did that make it feel less like a sales process? Because essentially the clout behind you made it not so cold, but then most of your communication was probably centered around displaying how this thing even works.
0: No, the sales process was still difficult, if not more challenging, because you're asking somebody who doesn't really like. Imagine if I said, "Here's a billboard. You drive by it every day. You see it. You feel it. You could touch it." But then I say, "Hey, buy this advertising on the internet, and you look for yourself, and you don't see it. Right? It's like, where is it? It's in the cloud." And then we're like, "Hey, if you don't see yourself, that's good because other people are seeing you. So now they're getting the the exposure instead of just yourself." Um, so it was a little bit more challenging, but it was more innovative. We already knew that. You either it's like that shit or get off the pot thing, like you're either going to be in or you're going to be irrelevant, right? So so you had to get on board. It's kind of like buying Microsoft when they IPO would you'd be rich. It's like if you get in on an advertising, you're going to be making more money because more people know, like, and trust you. Uh, But then you always have that mentality. Is it too late? Is it not too late? The answer is always no. It's never too late is it too late to be successful no colonel sanders became a billionaire over 60 years old so it's never too late to go invest in yourself especially when it's your brand
1: yeah it just it may get harder but it's never too late what's the sales process because I, I love sales i was in b2b sales mm. was the sales process one where you're using a lot of fomo or was it one like that you were using like what what sort of logic lines were going into the sale
0: Yeah, so it like we we would have like in my mind, I have personality traits, right? Because if I'm talking to a broker in Boston, Massachusetts, they hate the competitors. I mean, they they'll buy (laughs) stuff so the competitor cannot have it, even if they don't want it. So once you kind of find the trends, then those are kind of what we call the hot buttons. And whoever's listening to this, you guys are real estate agents, you obviously work with couples and husbands, wives, you have egos, you have timid people, you have the 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 decision makers you can kind of like read through certain things, um, and that's what we would do is find the trends because if I was finding Alabama uh, and talking to Little Betty Sue, I would be a little bit more chill, a little bit more educational about it, and kind of walk them through the process a little bit slower so they can understand and trust me, and that's my sales process. But if it was like the Boston example, it would be kind of like, hey, I see Stacy here. Do you know who she is? Well, she owns this inventory. I know that there's only one left. I'm not sure if it's something you'd like or not, but obviously Stacy's been there for three years, so it must be working. You want to hear about it. They're like, well, I want Stacy's spot. I'm like, well, let's start with your own first. So so sometimes it would be value. Sometimes their value is they have it and I want it. Right. So so <laughs> we would just find whatever whatever made them tick, then we'll get them into that situation. But then the reality is forget forget the hot button. Let's I go with the outcome. The actual end benefit of what I call the Hawaii, if you want your destination to be Hawaii, let me explain what Hawaii feels like. And then I would explain to them like all the brand exposure, how to leverage the products and services they have at their disposal, um, and then how to actually use it outside of just our marketing system. So you have even more benefits by doing a press release with the, with the graphics we create you how you can put it into your listing presentations, how you can put it on your your credentials on your website and your Facebook and your TikTok and your Instagram. So you can literally over leverage the same thing to stand out and contrast yourself against every other agent. The 1.4 million people that want your business, how do you stand out? And this is how. So let's talk about
1: the agent profiles. I think you you mentioned there was four in, in your model. Like what do those look like? So give us a picture of what what, what are the various agents?
0: yeah I mean like I'm just going to give it to you from my perspective. I don't have like a like a name and a symbol or a silver coin or anything for everybody, but the the way that I look at it is like there's going to be agents that I've seen and worked with not only personally to acquire property but also that I've done marketing for. It's like to me the the last experience I had was a guy that's been a real estate agent for seven years. His mom was a real estate agent, leveraged that as his experience. his he was charming, really good talker, but then he was a terrible negotiator right? So he didn't listen, uh, just didn't have the experience. So it was, it was kind of like high ego, low scale type person, where he could have easily learned a little bit of sales lingo and a little bit of language and how to read patterns on how people talk, how aggressive they are, or how timid they are, and be able to kind of mirror and match that profile, and then demonstrate their authority later. Um, then there's going to be the over aggressive people like the the new yorkers right like i just I actually while we're doing this podcast a new yorker is at my house right now that's installing a, a charger for a tesla we just picked up and uh i can tell he was a new yorker because he's straight to the point and I, I i gave him my phone number what's your number and i said it's 1311 last word digits, it's like make up your mind i thought you said 1319 and i'm like whoa that just reminds me of hardcore straight to the point that's his humor so as a buyer i'll be offended but as knowing that's how that culture acts if i was the realtor I would know how to match and mirror that so so you got to kind of be a little bit composed, Um, then there's going to be like the really skillful people, but they're more introverted, they're not letting their skill shine. They're they're kind of like holding something back where they are a 12 transaction 24 transaction person a year. But if they were a little bit louder, and they were a little bit more like customer facing on the Internet, they can maybe add another 12 10 24 deals and have a constant scale versus kind of like let me just create my my ceiling and all it's good enough even though in their mind they want to be greater they know they're better than somebody else they just think like oh well Johnny's just more proactive or a little bit more louder he dances at parties I don't dance that's not the solution so so those are like three of them um, right there but those that's kind of like like i think everybody's will like has greatness inside of them when it comes to 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 whatever they do real estate sales investing whatever it may be it's just that something is being held back and typically it's a skill set it's not investing into the thing you need the most and then you watch youtube and then you do it later then the weekend comes and you'll do it next week it's kind of that belief system that it'll somehow get injected into me versus taking it because the first person that taught me sales His first statement was, "Do" or his question was, "Do you want to get good at sales?" Then the answer you can't say no because then you're fired, so you have to say yes, right? So yes, do you know how to get good at sales? I said, "Well, why don't you tell me?" He's like, "To do sales." So if you so then you go find someone to teach you sales. Then once you teach it, you take that information from what you learned an hour ago and you go call people, you go email people. You do a video and post it on Facebook, and then people will be like, oh, my God, I didn't even know you were a real estate agent, and I went to high school with you, right? Because how they it's not the responsibility of the third party to know what you do and keep up with your life. It's your responsibility to impact them that they know when they say Matt, they know real estate. When they say Rahul, they know marketing. If they don't know by my name is a, is a synonym to marketing and coaching, then I've done a bad job with my brand. So everybody will ultimately know exactly what I do, and I've never changed paths or careers because I make it uh, – I spend about, I don't know, 30 minutes a day writing content on my Facebook uh, page and my Instagram and my LinkedIn, and I just copy-paste the same stuff over, and I get inbound leads. Hey, I saw that you do X, Y, and Z. Would you be able to help me? Now I'm not door knocking. Now I'm not cold calling. Now I'm not wondering where my next referral is coming from. I'm taking full control by learning the skill to influence others. But most notably, I'm building a brand so I have a team under me so they can be like, well, I want to be on Rahul's brand because by being there, I now have opportunity because he can now give me the opportunities and free up his time. And then now he can do more stuff that he wants to do, right? So it's kind of that domino effect of people think in like one month, three month increments, let me try this for one month and three months, right? And my analogy here is like, we were all babies at some point, right? Like I'm gonna go with the, with the boys, cause we're boys here. Boys take about 18 to 24 months before they can walk on their own without looking like drunken sailors, right? Now look at it as from the light of your business. If that baby stopped, could not walk by three months old, you're not going to say, let me, let me exchange this baby or quit and say, hey, baby doesn't work. you are be like, no, it has a nurturing process. Same thing with your business. Expand the life cycle of what you're attempting to do to a little bit longer, and then you're going to see that result before giving up. Some of the things I see is like getting sales coaching and then giving up too early before your skill hit. It's trying a marketing strategy, giving up after three months and saying, hey, this didn't work. I'll tell you it's not going to work with the mentality of wanting it to fail before you start it you have to have a decade long mindset, but you give it a fair test with ads and marketing. If the average home takes 88 days on average, to be able to find a, a, a realtor to looking at homes to going through the bidding and negotiation to going through the escrows, and all the other stuff that's 88 days. So how could you give it a month, you have to give it at least three months to be even like even reasonable. You want to give it six months to be savage-like so you have a, a database that you can absolutely crush of all local people and have a really good nurturing game.
1: Yeah, and I love this analogy because a baby is amongst family. They're amongst parents, maybe siblings. So they're surrounded constantly by the type of people that are doing what they want to do, which is walk. And so they're constantly getting the visual of what it looks like, and then they go through the trial and errors, right? Which kind of adds a component, like you talk about coaching, like if you're constantly surrounding yourselves with people that are experts at that, you're constantly reinforcing the vision that one, it's possible, and two, what it looks like, then you contrast it with what you're doing until those two things look the same. So I, I think that imagery has such power uh, you know, as a thought, like more so than even just like the time horizons is, is the valuable part, right? Because obviously, like as you're saying, if you don't have enough time horizon, you can't do it. But love, love that image. So let's let's take this even a step further. So you mentioned that the big thing that people are lacking is skills. And so, do you you believe that skills are more important than in this case than even like awareness and personality in that case, or what would you place above the other?
0: I think skill deficit is the thing holding people back from being great, and I think they know it inside of their own mind. They just have some such high skepticism because their belief system is they've tried something in the past, whether it's personally or through somebody else. Like if I said, hey, Matt, don't go to this restaurant. It's terrible service. I believe it to be true. Now I made you believe it to be true. So we're getting scared by somebody else's story. The, the thing is, you can't have that because then you're only hurting yourself. So it's a belief system of what they believe to be true, by, by their own past or somebody else's past. My, my thing is like, let me try it for myself. Because think about this, there's going to be if there's two agents in your office, they both start at the same time, they both have the same leads, they both have the same opportunities, they both live in the same neighborhood. Why is one successful? And why is the other one not? One's more skillful. Because you can get yeah. the skill of how, how to be able to understand personalities, you can get the skill to have that quote unquote gift of gab, where you can spark up a conversation in line at Starbucks and turn it into a business conversation that went really well and find your next deal, right? So, so it's going to be totally about the art and science of communication, psychology, which is all learned behavior. This is not fancy stuff because I dropped out of four different colleges. So I wasn't even smart enough to learn philosophy. And it literally had the answers in a book and I couldn't even find them, right? Uh, But when it comes to what life lessons are, psychology, communication, the art and science of skill, empathy is really important. Actually, doing what's right for the client, not what's right for your pocketbook, that has to come first and foremost because if you have so much value in the world, it's just going to chase you down. If you chase money, if you're a money chaser, it's gonna run so fast from you because you're gonna be branded as a turn and burner. So that's why once you up level your skills, people will know that you're investing in yourself. They'll respect you. And if you invest in yourself, people will invest in you. If you say, I don't want to invest in myself, that means you're losing stock. You don't believe in buying that stock. You think it's gonna tank. That's kind mm. of my mindset is the moment you decide to not invest in yourself is the moment you don't believe in yourself to grow. But then why would someone else believe you?
1: Yeah, I'm going to write that down. That's powerful because I mean that that in, in a sense, like y- when you create a syndication in real estate, which is a group of investments, one of the yep. first questions that you get asked by potential investors that will give money to you is, are you putting money into this deal? So I love that you're tying this back to yourself. When you're not doing self-development, you're essentially deeming yourself as a falling stock. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very very powerful. Powerful, Yeah, I mean, if I like, I don't bring that up to people like on calls, on podcasts, on videos. When that kind of stuff lands, then they're going to realize that's right. There are those things. Like, think about this in the audience. Like, how many times have you regretted something? What if we can eliminate regret by just doing? I coulda, woulda, shoulda. Had I bought that thing, I would have been rich. Had I done that thing, I could have been way further ahead. So just change the perspective of the like. Think of risk differently. Is it riskier if I do it or would it be way more riskier if I didn't? What's the 100%. worst that could possibly happen? So that that's really how I operate my life. Like if my, my guys come to me and saying, hey, can I buy this training? I'm like, what's it cost? That's my first question. They'll say 24 grand for the year. And I'll say, well, what's your outcome if I do invest into this? What is it gonna do for you and do for the company? If they give me a good, like, hey, I think we'll learn this skill. We can scale it to our, the rest of the team. And we're gonna make more money at the end of the tunnel. I have two values I just got out. Number one, I'm building the culture because I'm investing in my own people and then they're going to up level their own skills on their own time outside of work hours because they're excited to even bring something like this to my attention and then number two, it can make me more money. So now I have a win-win I have a culture that people like the owner believes that in his people where they'll buy, I'll buy stuff for them. Number two, they're going to leverage it into more cash flow. So to me, it's a no brainer because if something costs 24k, here's the check, go do your thing. Three months later, I'm at break even. Then everything's pure profit. But then I have a mindset and culture of my people being fucking happy. Yeah.
1: Take us back to these profiles. So you got the charming, high ego, no skill or low skill. You've got the over aggressive. You've got the introverted.
0: You mentioned in a pre call a savage.
1: So I don't know if that's part of the aggressive or if that's a separate category.
0: A, um, a savage is like somebody who's at that 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 chameleon that can read the room so well. Like if they're like, they're the guy that is so patient that they'll listen through stories they never wanted to hear in their lives. Yeah. Like, you know, like, because and, and they're, when somebody pisses you off, they're super patient. They're those like guys that are are charming. And then of course, like there's people who it's like, if somebody pisses you off, you're gonna be like, hey, I, I don't even wanna be around that person. This, this chameleon, the this savage is just like, I just see opportunity around me. And if this guy is gonna be the way he is, that's the way he is, I'm cool. I just, I'll, I'll diffuse the situation and I'll, I'll be there where everybody likes this kind of person. And the Savage I'm guessing just even from the title
1: is somebody that listens, but they have the strength of character. They have the strength of sales skills to then take action, right? So they're kind of maybe the North star of all three of those groups, right? They, they figured it all out. So, so That's where I think
0: everybody wants to be. It's like the Michael Jordan to basketball. How do you become that to your market?
1: Yeah. So let's talk about becoming that person. So that person is the one that can identify those three types in their customers and deliver. How would you sell to each of these three types or how would you deal with these types?
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna give it from my perspective of how I do it for my coaching. So I have three levels. I, I I simplified the names and I actually gave them people I grew up with and I used to play sports. So like if I have a new buyer, let's say I call that's a newbie to me. So it's a very simple title, and I gave the name the Armin because I had a, a guy on my soccer team that shouldn't have been on our team. He was brand new to the sport, sucked, and we're like, all right, let's nurture him in. And make him have a good experience, even though he's never going to see see the field again. Um, but that's so. So I'd kind of have my buyer persona for the new person. What are they feeling? What is their skepticism? What would they be their fears? What are the qualifiers that I need to make sure I get and address, like jobs, so like uh, whatever credit scores, cosigners. Like, how do I navigate that conversation, knowing that this is going to be their first home buy? Or their first flip or investment or whatever it may be syndication so i need to give them a lot of i have to get through the fear because ultimately logic is going to say you can make a lot of money here everybody's doing it here's my track record but then when it comes down do you want to invest well i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm not sure so now we know fear is the number one objection we're going to run into so going back to north star our north star is like let's tackle that first because logic is always going to remain at the end so, so we can bring up those conversations. So then I have like my list of objections, my, my cost of inaction, opportunity cost if we don't do something. So I kind of study that new person and then I'm prepared for it. And I can just ask like, hey, have you ever invested in a property before? They say, no, I haven't. Okay, do you own real estate? This will be my first. Okay, are you looking to buy to live in the property yourself? Or are you looking to buy and then rent it out and stay renting where you are? So I'm getting my analysis and background information um, first. And then I'll get into the psychology of like why this is important to them later. Uh, But then once I know the lay of the land, now I know my avatar. I know the person, the profile that I'm talking to. My next person is the intermediate. They're going to have very similar personality traits. They may have already bought a property. They may have already invested in something. They're still skeptical. And that's still going to be the number one objection because something went wrong in the deal. Uh, And it's either something they're like, I call that also the roller coaster because they're they're not like, Investors just yet, and they're not. They don't own multiple properties just yet. Um, and if they have, some they have one that one successful, another one went wrong, and they're thinking, "Why me?" Or it's the person that bought two properties and they've never seen anything go against them yet. So they're like a rising star, if you will. But they're still in this intermediate category because they have some sort of experience. Totally. And then my next, my my top level is the people who have the cash flow. They'll they they. Don't really, they don't really have many objections. Trust is going to be, and track record is going to be a really big key indicator um, of 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 my credentials and and how I pepper that through the stories of how I communicate with them. Um, but they really have the money, and they just want to write the check. They just want to be know that they don't have to do much work because, like with my friends, when they invest or I invest with them in their syndications. I just say like, look, am I, my only questions are, is this a losing deal? When am I going to get my money back? How much do you think I'll make off if I put this in? Should I go, should I, go, should I slow pace it? Because this is my first indication with your other buddies or your other investor pools, or what do you think I should do? So I'm actually asking for their recommendation as if they're a doctor. I'm like, cool, let me slice you the check. And if this goes well, let's do another deal. If it goes bad, then we'll have to have a conversation around that. Are you confident that this goes well as my first experience with you? Yes, cool, check done. And then, then I'm out of the picture and I'll say, talk to you in a year when we get our money back. So, so when you're asking kind of those questions, level. you're probably
1: psychologically mm-hmm. evaluating their responses. You're asking the question, is this going to go well? You're probably listening to the, the tone of their voice as much as the words they're saying. The looking in their eyes, like what are you evaluating as you are I'm, vetting these deals?
0: I'm feeling out there, like you said, their their body language, their their tonality, their confidence, but I'm also mostly putting responsibility of my family on their shoulders that mm. this check means a lot to me. And if you screw me up, then the, we're, we're done. Your reputation with me personally, I'm not gonna go on the internet and Yelp you and shit yeah. like that, that's not my style. But it's just like our personal rep, rep, reputation, there's, there's no more of me in your, in your life because the deal went wrong, only if you lied to me. Now, if there's a circumstance where coronavirus like hit and we're doing a college development, colleges are shut down, I get it. Nobody – like lumber prices went up. You didn't control that. We didn't know the snapshot in time was going to shut a world down. We've never seen that before. I get those circumstances, but if it's due to the negligence of the person or I felt after the fact it was intentional, I just have to cut my losses and move on as a person and then find that next deal.
1: Yeah. So let's 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 go back into your story. So in your story, you are working for realtor.com, you're selling. You're starting to do really well. You leave, create a marketing company, and then get them to make you an integral part of their story. I really want to dive into how you did that because that's a sales process in its own. And then how in the world did you pick up all these skills? Were you doing that type of work at that job or were you on the side hustling up? Here's how I build landing pages. Here's how I run to retargeting.
0: So how did I, I didn't together? really talk like. And the crazy part before I get into the story is like we've done over probably three hundred thousand designs for advertising on the internet uh, within the all not just the real estate space, but every other, a lot of other spaces, and we partnered with some biggie pretty big brands. Where. When they do a marketing campaign, like we've done this with Geico, those funny little commercials, we actually turn those into banner ads on the internet so they can run their ads. Um, we, don't, we don't run their ads for them. That'd be awesome. But we just do the graphics because that's all they needed from us. Um, but the, the reality is I don't know how to make them. I don't know how to do the landing pages. I know how to offer them. And then I hire a team that's all, that works for me, that's been with me for like over 15 years now. So it makes the process so smooth. Um, So I knew the process to me, it's like, bing, bing, bing. I can just sale happens. And then the money money transfers hands to us. That's when the real sales happens is that first touch point. My experience on that first touch point is got to be so good that the clients like excited that, hey, I'm in the right place. I've never experienced a service company like this before. And I've been burned before because I know the feeling of it. So we don't want I, I call it the Disneyland experience is our first touch point. Um, so, so going back to the realtor.com thing, when I quit, um, I, I immediately went outside, started calling people, um, and saying, Hey, here's what I'm up to. Um, would you even be interested? So that's my market research. If I did this, this, and this they're like, yes, I didn't even know you could do that. And I said, cool, I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to set it up. I'm almost done with it. What do you think about this price of what I charged you? And they'd be like, dude, that's no problem. Like, cool. Can I get your commitment now? And then I'll have things ready in a couple of weeks and then we'll start. Yes. So I was building cash flow, like walking out of the building just that quick. So I just basically took imperfect action, felt out the marketplace, asked if they wanted it. They said, yes. I asked them if they'd pay this price. They said, yes. I said, cool, then just pay it. And then that's how we built from the beginning. Then we started cold calling every real estate agent possible, homes.com, Trulia, Zillow, realtor.com. If they advertised, we called. That was like our light, our, our facial expressions were like, hell yeah, they advertise. Let's call, let's call this guy. We can help uh, because we knew we can do something better than what they had. So we started cold calling, closing closing sales. There were really cheap stuff, like anywhere between $150 to $800. So we knew it was one call, close potential but we had a value that was probably worth a thousand plus in their mind so it was like it was a win-win it would be actually it would it would hurt them not to spend money because they're going to lose money doing it the way they were doing it so we had such a good thing going um and then we did this for three years like and it never crossed my mind ever in my life to say huh what if realtor.com was my client we're calling all their clients and enhancing their brand We're not competing, we're their ally. So they knew about us that we were doing it and they let it go because we're only helping. We were helping their clients be happier. Um, And then I got a call one day, can you come for a meeting? And I prepared the hell out of myself for two weeks, uh, over-prepared, rehearsed like crazy. Didn't even get to do my rehearsal in the room because I handed them a file of a booklet of amazing ads, testimonials, my amazing 10-step process that has no leaks. Like there's literally no leak in this, in this boat. And they didn't even open it. And I was just like, fuck, they're not even going to open it in the meeting? I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, let's, let's go through this. Not one person opened it. And I'm like, they're like, hey, let's just get down to business. What are you going to charge us? So we went straight there. And then I just said, well, well what are you thinking you want to pay? And then they gave me their number and I said, all right, well, like that's, that's different than what I was expecting, but in the spirit of moving forward, we can start there. But are you guys open to the conversation of any reason it doesn't work for us? And we may have to have a price adjustment, like, absolutely. And then I walked out of the room thinking like, holy shit, they just said, they just said my retail price I would have charged. If one person bought for me, not, not the biggest company in the world, they could have char- I could, they could have negotiated me down to half. And then the funny thing happened later in life, I became friends with uh, the general counsel, because he was around my age. And I saw him at a restaurant or a bar. And he's like, Hey, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to alarm you or, or make you feel bad, but uh, we would have paid you double. And, mm. uh, I, and just I just about said, to well, ask you that question. Yeah, and I just said, well, you know what? I would have taken half. I guess we both won.
1: Well, exactly right. So let's talk about the psychology of this because I can tell with what you've already delivered that you love sales psychology, human psychology, which is a big, big passion of mine. I I actually love what you did because you got double what you thought and you locked up the deal. And in, in my mind, I think a lot of people would be thinking this: you could have probably got more, but but go deeper into why that was probably the right move, right? Because I mean, that thing could have gotten contentious. Like there's just so many things that could happen inside of human interactions, but but give us us that insight.
0: Yeah, because like I, I knew all the hard work that I did like to get one deal done, right? Now I can get, I can turn into the Starbucks of what I do because now when people come to me, they're not saying, what do you charge? They're saying, I'll take a Frappuccino from you. So I became an order taking company versus a sales company. Right, so at the that, same that the at the number same one.
1: numbers you were having to sell at,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and the numbers went way wildly higher because I was doing like thirty units a week. They were telling me they were going to give me sixty or thirty or so in a month. Then it became sixty-five as my very first order, and then it, it then I started getting stressed out because I'm like, they were giving me a hundred in a day sometimes, sometimes more, and I'm like, holy shit. Like I remember Christmas Day, I skipped a Christmas with my family to fulfill all our backlog because I'm like, at least I have a week before like people are going to be at work. No, these guys didn't take days off. I was getting orders on freaking Christmas Day, and I'm like, shit. I worked to like 1, 2 in the morning that day just processing orders because we had, we had 70 people at one point f- fulfilling, and I'm like, shit, we're still a little backlogged. I'm like, damn, this is actually a good problem um, to have, but… Uh, sorry, remind me the question that I was getting into. Well, uh, actually, I am going into the I, room. About the price, about the price, the reason they brought the price. But,
1: but I want to actually take it a different direction now, and mm. then we'll come back. So what I want to do now is like, fulfillment became the big issue there. Like how in the world were you fulfilling, hiring, training? Like that is such a spike so fast. Like what was your mindset? What was your exact process to being able to handle yeah. that?
0: Well, I out effort the skill I had. So my skill was here. My effort was way higher. So I had to spend more time. So my, my solution was don't sleep, which I didn't for like many years. So that was the first thing I had the hustle in me and I know how to not burn out. Um, the second thing is we, we started to write down a process. And that, that saved me because then it could be repeatable. So we made a manual and the, the, it was such an easy process that it was almost like if you wanted to go get a job, there's in and out Burger in California. You go order a burger, there's just three types of, it's like you want meat, more meat or more meat with cheese. It's like the easiest or fucking menu in the planet. So that's what <laughs> we created is an SOP that had an easy menu. So 18 year olds, 25 year olds, people who had no skill in life can now have skill. So we made it that easy. So we, we, we just, if anybody wanted the job, we would hire you as long as you came through somebody we knew. So I'd hire number one. Do you have any friends? Yes, I have three. Cool. Hire them. If they suck, we're going (laughs) to kick them out right away. We'll hire (laughs) fast, fire faster. Um, And, uh, and then we just, then the, the hiring model was like, bring your friends in here. Just don't screw around. And if two friends were like buddy, buddy and screwing around, we would just move them on opposite sides of the room. And that was the rule. Like if you want to text message your buddies while you're working, well, guess what? Your phone goes in the bucket and you now get to be treated like a child. Now, if you persist, then you're fired. So is it worth sending that one text that you could have waited till after work or lunchtime or whatever to be fired? So that was kind of like our rule is like just – well, you're here. You're getting paid to work. You're not getting paid to text your friends. You can screw around. Break time. We'll have some fun. If you're old enough, we'll drink some beers after work. So we created a family vibe, but also uh, like that pillow back there stands for Get Shit Done, GSD. We had a Get Shit Done vibe, and then we'll have fun along the way once we do our work.
1: Love this. So let's go back to the negotiation, and I'm going to add a little bit more to the conversation at this point. Yeah, You're negotiating this deal with Realtor.com. I'm assuming they're offering this program so they can capture a little extra cash as well, right? They're probably charging a little spiff on top of what you're doing. So they're like, hey, we're going to make some instant revenue. People are loving this. Talk about like, what did Realtor.com get out of the deal? And then talk about why, why stop there where you're happy instead of push for the most you can get.
0: The reason, I, I'll start with the, the why, why, why stop where I did. Number one, I already knew before I got, I realized once, I, before I got in the room, I was, there was no competition. That was, going, that was an option. And I knew that they had other interviews before me based on how the conversation was going. Um, And then I understood that they had an immediate bottleneck, and they already had approval to execute this deal. I don't know. I'm sure there was margin in there because they would have paid double obviously. How would you know that? Because the the attorney told me later, like uh, after like a year or a year and a half or so, um, he just said we would have paid you double, and I said I would have taken half. So that's the only yeah. way I knew. Otherwise, I would have never No, but
1: how did you how you know? Did you know in the moment when you were negotiating that they had approval to oh, buy?
0: based on how they were like asking me questions like do you have capacity? Ooh. Could you take this on now? Yeah. So I already knew the buyer signals were right in front of my face. So, it was just but so the way they were positioning the conversation and how it went, I was going in for an interview thinking it's me versus others and I need to be the one and I was going to use I'm right on, down the yeah. street from you guys. I used to work here. I know the system. I know all rep the reps. I turn around, blah, blah, blah. I was going to use like the locality proximity angle, but then things shifted because it was just a matter of like, I know their business just as well as they do. But then I understood that there is another pain um, is and also my dad's like bird in the hand is better than some unknown in the future because I can because I already I already set up a potential bottleneck of saying, we have a discussion if it if something doesn't work so i just wanted to make sure that door was open for a price hike in the future um but but the main thing is is that i just wanted the deal done i was young it was going to be a a needle mover for me i could turn into some starbucks type order taking so that's why i i did it in the room Uh, but then i found out there was also other gaps they their current vendors could not fulfill what did not fulfill mean Unhappy customers. What did that mean? Bad reviews. What did that mean? Chargebacks. What did that also mean? You have to also give them free product so they don't actually talk bad about you. So it was like this not only was there, they're losing profit, they're also losing money they already had to have to give it back. Now they have to use manpower for customer sentiment to renegotiate and persuade. Every angry angry customer is going to take an hour to two hours of manpower, amplify that by a thousand a month. That's a lot of money, a lot of work. So not only are you not able to confidently sell, you lose morale on the sales floor because they're like, well, fuck, every time I sell this damn product, there's some stupid issue because our our donkey designers can't even do the work. It's just a square, do the work. And they can't <laughs> and then the d- designers, they're not salespeople, they're graphic artists. What are they they're not used to saying, hey, let me call this dude 10 times in a row and then they're gonna answer. Well, guess what? That's what I do. I'm going to call them like I'm a salesperson. I'm going to deliver like I'm fulfillment. So wow. so that's kind of where I found the angle of like, there's more value that I'm actually creating than just being your graphic designer slapping words on a background. I'm actually preventing you from losing deals. I'm increasing your efficiency because your salespeople are confident in delivery. We're increasing like lowering customer service. We're keeping salespeople on the phone longer doing sales because no longer are they dealing with clients bitching, whining, and moaning. I'm taking such a big headache off your plate that this could be worth 20, 30, $100 dollars to your organization per year over hiring just little old me.
1: Wow. Going back to the personalities, how does someone know if they've reached savage level or not? Like how does someone become aware of
0: where they're at? Well, you're you're gonna be consciously and subconsciously aware. Consciously aware means Your consistency has gotten so good, like your opportunities, like if you had 10 opportunities when you were learning, you'll screw up maybe, I don't know, eight to 10 of them. So you may have like two good conversations to zero. Then when you fast forward, when your skills develop, those same styles of people you're now dealing with once you have skill development, all the conversations are going really, really well. They're they're going in the right direction. You're starting to convert at a higher rate. You can talk to the newbie, and they're willing to list with you or buy with you. You talk to the more advanced person; they're just saying like, "Oh, let's connect. Let's let's do deals in the future." You're the 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 preparation and your opportunities are now creating more luck for yourself, right? So so that's kind of where you you know you're a savage. Like like when I talk to people. Like I like a normal salesperson will say, "Hey, can you book my calendar for appointments per day?" And and at the end of the week we have twenty appointments. And they're like, "I'm a ten percent closer." This, this, and this. A savage will need five calls a week, and they'll have five deals done by the end of the week. And so then you're they massively wanna, they seeing wanna, your conversion rates rise. And then they want to do things for their time, their their health, their family, their sanity efficiency is set at a Mecca point. It's like, my efficiency is so high that I can do what most people do in an entire month in just one sitting.
1: Yeah. You built this business around something that you weren't doing, or maybe didn't even know how to do, right? I mean, you were the sales guy. What was it like building a company from that vantage point of like, you're completely dependent on the staffing And you're getting crazy amounts of orders. Like, how was that for you?
0: I loved it because I don't look at it as like, I'm building something I don't know. I'm a sell before you're ready guy anyways. um, Because that's the best way to jump in the deep end is just jump right on in. But I was doing it more from a game perspective. The the business is a game. It's not this, to me, the money is like magic money. Because I like, yeah, that keeps the score and you want to see the scoreboard go up um but like honestly i can't spend the money i'm going to die with it so i don't need it so i just did it more from like my own competitive nature of just mastering every level to myself not to other people i don't give a shit if somebody's 20 times more successful than me i need to get to my next level of my own personal goal for my life not someone else's so i just looked at it like that cuz i played sports when i grew up and i had a really great coach that was demanding on me which changed my life for good because whenever you made a mistake, he would just say, you make too many mistakes, you gotta fix those mistakes. So with business, it was more like, hey, there's more levels, your perspectives are, have to be higher. And that was through just paying attention to listening, being open-minded to hearing everybody else's stories, like very successful people, very old people that are like 90, how did you get to 90 being so successful, right? So just kind of knowing the longer and longer game. And then I've met people like the CEO of Sony Home Entertainment, the CEO of stamps.com and the way their brains think are not normal. They're just so far out, so far-fetched, how their line of thinking is that that helped me so much.
1: Let's talk about the, the fact that you have um, taken the deal with realtor.com. How does that springboard you? Like what was the benefit of, like, obviously you become an order taker, but the money and the learning and all of these things, how does that launch you to where you are today?
0: Number one, it allowed me to have the money to make a lot of mistakes and just reinvest into myself and my team and hire people confidently without feeling, hey, let me try hiring this person part-time and then they have to like quit or fail because I failed as a leader. Hold on one second, oh, just give me five minutes, five minutes. Five. Minutes? five. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Somebody's about to shut the power off because the Tesla charger guys here. Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, audience. Um, that's how life works. There's, there's interruptions. That's um, uh, it. But the, the, it allowed me to make bigger mistakes and take bigger risks on myself because like I said before, I bet on myself a lot because I believe that I'm the best stock to invest in. Uh, I'm the pony that's going to win the race. That's just how I do it when it comes to like self-development and then also, freeing up my time because I have to invest into myself and my team. That's education. Number two, I have to invest into people so I can free up my time. And then number three, I have to invest into the marketing of my business. So I'm always staying relevant. So those are going to be my three biggest expenditures every single month.
1: We haven't even talked yet. We're 45 minutes in. We haven't even talked yet about your company and what it could do for people and the mistakes that agents are making in marketing. So I think we'd be a little bit remiss if we didn't get into that what are the biggest things agents are not doing that they should be and maybe what are things they're doing that they shouldn't be doing
0: yeah i'm just going to it bluntly because like none of you guys are my clients and you're seeing this on a video or an audio thing so if i was not doing marketing and i was your friend and consulting you i would say you're absolutely crazy not to do this and i don't mean this like offensively i mean this positively like if you don't go on social media and talk about what you do your community What's on your mind in the real estate space, throw in some personal stuff if you feel like it, but from a business perspective, it everybody has the time, not everybody makes it a priority. But if I told you, you can have double your deals by in 12 months and then keep doubling it every year and every year thereafter, if you just posted something relevant that can influence your audience every single day, start off with just text based posts with maybe a picture. Maybe do a story of a walkthrough through a home, do a Facebook Live, an Instagram Live. If you you just get in front of where your biggest audience is because everybody's given equal opportunity on the internet, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you name the platform, they're saying, hey, I'm giving you a free broadcast station like Fox or ABC and saying it's yours, closed caption, do whatever you want. And then you look at guys, guys like Joe Rogan that did what they wanted. Guess what? He's the biggest media company in the world, and he's one dude with a microphone and smokes weed in front of audiences. And he's the biggest media company, bigger, more audience years than CNN. He says something. He can make somebody an unknown brand, a millionaire overnight by being on that podcast. So now think of it from that vein. Now, you're probably not going to ever reach Joe Rogan status, but you are going to be the Joe Rogan or that – forget Joe Rogan. You're going to be that influencer of your small market. So when people think real estate, they think you. So if you educate them, educate them, educate them, you become synonymous with like, when I'm ready for real estate, when I'm ready to list, because this agent is just right in front of my face, talking good stuff, giving me market updates, telling me when not to buy, when to buy. Every little uh, city or street, they're walking through and educating me on the opportunities, but in a, in a nice way, not in a, a, a dickish or, or, or bitchy way. It's like you're creating that, that persona, and then you become known in your territory. So if you don't want to be known, don't do this. If you want to increase your deals and be known for what you do, then you're going to want to follow that particular strategy. But then to amplify stuff, spend money on ads on Facebook and Instagram. Don't say the leads suck because they don't. Learn how to make them not suck because they absolutely work. And I have thousands of clients for evidence that they work. It's just the strategy is not working today for you because maybe the wrong person is running it for you
1: yeah totally and so you've been able to get to a place where you've had enough success that you're writing checks to people in their investments so if you had a billion dollars in the bank and 100 lifetimes of cash flow like how would you structure your life what would your freedom look? Like?
0: it would probably stay the same because i like doing what i do i don't see myself of money whether you doubled my bank account or 10x it Changing too much. I'd still dress the same. I'd still live in the same house. I would. I would use the the money for wealth creation, more investments, and I'd have a lockdown plan for next generation. You still be a Lakers fan? Oh, never changing this hat. (laughs) Five (laughs) different. Five like five five purple, five black. (laughs) (laughs) Always be a Laker fan. Yeah.
1: Right on. What does the next twelve to eighteen months look like for you?
0: What do you want to accomplish? (laughs) Twelve to eighteen months. Look for me. Um, I want to probably invest into some more real estate. um, Probably scale the business even more than it is right now. Um, Not probably do actually do. Um, And then I mean honestly, I I just love doing mentorship. So my coaching program is going to be like my my new baby in the sense of it's already two and a half three years old. Um, And I want to nurture this thing to teenage years because I think our coaching program that we have, I think, is like 30 times better than going to college uh, for young people on how to build their business, their lifestyle, their infrastructure, and be independent decision makers away from their own parents uh, because parents kind of lock them down, go to high school, go to college, go get a job. Nah, it's a different world. Let's be let, let's let's make our own decisions because we don't have to have remorse and regret when we're thirty five because we took a W two over at ATT and it it and now we're stuck in a jail. Let's take that first opportunity, that risk when we're younger, and we can always do something later in the future. So I kinda wanna open people's minds that if you wanna make money and you wanna start a business, it doesn't matter what you do or what you sell. You can sell pillows, TVs, hats or coaching or real estate. There's a process and a system to be successful at it. And there's also a way to not be good at it, too.
1: Totally. How can people get a hold of you if they want to get access to the coaching program?
0: Go to uh, joingsd.com. That's the coaching program. And if you do not want to check out my agency, go to custom creatives with an S at the end, customcreatives.com. And then look me up, Rahul Aleem. I'm on social media. I spend a lot of time on Facebook mostly. And then I also spend time on like Instagram and then a little bit of time on LinkedIn, but Facebook, I'm most active. Uh, But if you hit me on any platform, I always reply.
1: Love this. Guys, if you're out there listening, like write down something that you learned from today. My goodness, whether it's how to become a savage it's how to build a one-to-many relationship with a company like Realtor.com, how to negotiate a deal and not lose it, a deal that springboards you to financial freedom. There's so many nuggets in this episode. So take notes, write one down, share it with somebody else you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take these actions and start doing them, you're going to start getting more freedom. Before you know it, you're going to be live a life of freedom and purpose. So guys, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.